For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Oh, it is a busy Birds 365. Count on it. John McMullen and Jody McDonald, the Mac and Mac guys here with you on the day after. NFL Draft, round one, day one. And it was a fun one if you're a drama fan because that's exactly the way the first round played out. Most, well, I don't want to say most of it, but a good portion of it right here in Philadelphia with the Eagles not only moving up, but trading, doing a deal with the devil to get the guy that they wanted, a guy that if anybody has been watching Birds 365, you know I was very high on. So for the most part, and I'll have to explain that too, why it's only the most part, uh, yeah. they got the guy that they wanted. Uh, Johnny Mac, I know you were working till the wee hours of the morning because you're not only the co-host here at Birds 365, but you got some other responsibilities for a whole bunch of other outlets and the like. When you put your little head to bed last night, were you okay with the Eagles pick? Were you incensed with the Eagles pick? Have you come around to the fact that they needed a big-time playmaker like Devonta Smith? Uh, what was your last thoughts before nodding off into Never Never Land? No, well, first of all, I thought they got a good player. I think that's been one of the false narratives. People often say, you know this, Jody, when you say you'd rather have somebody else, they automatically say, well, McMullen doesn't like Devontae Smith. I think he's a really good player. So the Eagles got an excellent player at the end of the day. They're certainly better off at that particular position. Nobody knew better than me they needed a playmaker. I've been watching this team for two years in the modern era of football, not have a receiver with 600 yards. One thing I'll guarantee right here today, Jody, is Devontae Smith will crack the 600-yard mark <laughs> if he stays healthy, obviously. That's right. the caveat on every player in the NFL, if he stays healthy. So they got a really good player in a draft that I thought was 16, 17 deep at best when you talk about the top-tier talent. So they got one of those guys. Uh, that part of it's all good. The part Same that's Bad is who was on the board, and I would have rather had two players on the board. I know you would have rather had one player on the board, and it came down to your – I said this yesterday on the show – your actual Sophie's choice, Justin Fields or Devontae Smith, the Eagles weren't – obviously weren't thinking about a quarterback at all. They didn't even think about Justin Fields. The Bears come up at number 11 – so that's number one. Number two was what you also mentioned, the deal with the devil. Boy, man, it, you know, I tried to get Howie to talk about this last night, and he, he did a little bit to his credit. But can you imagine if this goes poorly, if Micah Parsons turns into Ray Lewis, if he turns into what Devin White was for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last season? And Devontae Smith is just an okay receiver. That's that's the Eagles are going to be taking heat for years. Yeah, yes, they will, which is why 
And I'm not discounting that possibility because, again, if you've listened to our show, I thought Michael Parsons was one of the most talented players in the draft. There's some personality questions attached to Michael Parsons, but we shouldn't be shocked by it. The Cowboys have been willing to deal with those type players for years. So that should surprise no one. But you're right. He's got a chance to be a real nice player, not to the Cowboys pick with the 12th pick in a draft. It could go poorly for the Eagles in a comparison way, but I still love the aggressiveness of it. Howie Roseman had his board, and I know he said this last night, this was a board-type pick. They had their grades. They had their drop-offs. Devonta Smith was a guy that they had graded very highly. They thought that there was a chance that if they didn't move up and take him, they weren't going to get him. That's one we'll never know. And uh, I have some New York contacts. So I think I we know, Jody, and I'll tell you why, but go ahead. Go ahead. I think uh, well, well, go ahead if you can tell me that you know the Giants would have taken Devonta Smith at 11. Well, coming into the draft, I didn't. I thought they'd go edge rusher. But n- now that you see what happens, Dave Gettleman, who never falls back, falls back uh, because he was likely upset about not getting Devonta Smith. Then he ends up, I think, at 20, and he takes Kadarius Tony. He's basically taking the same type of player, not nearly as good, a poor man's Devontae Smith. I would argue a broke man's. I would argue a homeless man's Devontae Smith. Um, So that kind of tells me what Dave Gettleman wanted. And by the way, we talk, we'll get into all this, but you talk losers of the draft. What I just said about 16, 17 deep, people like Dave Gettleman at 11. And I think Rick Spielman at 14, who dropped out of that range, those were the real losers in this draft to me. Yeah, but Gettleman got a lot of capital to do the drop down. He, he yeah, did. but if you're in a draft with six, that's 16. And so many, you heard it on the show, Jody. So we had so many personnel people saying the same thing. I heard it here and in other places. I don't see why you do that in a draft that's not that deep. You know, you get one of those good players. I I don't care about draft capital. If they're not good, who cares? Well, then do you fault the Eagles for moving down from six to begin with? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, okay. if you're if sitting you're a there, guy who just doesn't believe in dropping down. You're no, a guy no, who no, 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 no. Where you are, and there's certain drafts. It's it's great if 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 you like. And the Eagles aren't quite as bad because I said it was 16, 17 deep. But if you look at six and who was available at six, the difference between that and 12, uh, I think is pretty significant. Not nearly as significant as the fall off from, say, 12 to 17, 18, 19. Okay. Um, Your boy... Quiddy Pay didn't go to 21. Would he be in that 16 or 17? Well, let me bring it up and... Here's the issue. I think you had teams starting to reach right at right at 16 with Arizona. And they took the kid from Tulsa, Zayvon Collins. Then you had Las Vegas with Alex Leatherwood. Man, nobody, that's reaching. Yeah, that nobody, reaching. nobody understands that. Yeah. Jamin Davis from the Washington football team at 19. I thought Miami, that's a nice gamble with Jalen Phillips. Kadarius Toney, that's an awful reach. Quiddy Pay, I think, is a nice pick. Caleb Farley, injuries aside, that could be boom or bust. Darisaw, big reach to me. Um, so, yeah, right there, right when I said 16, that's when people started reaching. 
And I will give you that, that I think that's exactly where the drop-off comes in, that up until that point, guys were uh, more, I don't want to use the word lock, but a yeah. higher probability of being able to step right in, play, contribute at a pretty high level. So you're right. Both of those uh, teams did drop down below that line, but they got paid pretty significantly to do so. I And you're right. Uh, the whole fact that the Giants took a wide receiver, does that indicate that they were going to take Devonta Smith at 11? Dave Gettleman will never admit to it. No, of somebody course. Somebody who was in the room looking at the Giants board at the time of pick. But I think it's a pretty good supposition. And that's why I have to give Howie Roseman credit. Part of being able to be Monty Hall on draft day, let's make a deal, is to have good info. Yeah. To be able to project and predict not only what the players are going to do, but what the other teams around you in the draft are going to do, and I think Howie Roseman had a pretty good feel, if not inside information and a clue, that the Giants were going to do what they had to do. If they had Devonta Smith rated as high as I think they should have, uh, to move up only two spots, even to do a deal with the devil, like the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the second of their two third-round picks, which almost ironically, that's the Carson Wentz compensation third round pick <clears> that <throat> gave up to get a piece that Carson Wentz is never going to get a chance to throw to, like Devonta Smith. That's not an outrageously high price to pay to move those two spots to get a guy as great. And I think it's more than just upside. I think it's going to happen. Devonta Smith, I think that's uh, outstanding work by Howie Rose. Yeah, I mean, I give him credit for targeting a player and going up and going get it because I think you're right. Dave Gettleman would have selected Devontae Smith. So the Eagles wanted him. I give him credit for going up and, and getting him. Um, I think the, the – and I wrote about this, and it will come out on phillyvoice.com uh, sometime today, uh, likely this morning. What they gave back only matters if Parsons turns into a star. It really does, because then you're starting to say the Cowboys, if they would have forced to stay at 10, they would have taken Parsons. So it's an easy decision for them. They fall back two spots, they get an extra third round pick, and they get a superstar. That's what I was talking about, that kind of deal with the devil. That could come back and bite the Eagles into you-know-what. Um but that's for down the line. If you have confidence in your evaluation, if you have confidence in your board, and that's the player you want, yeah, go up and get him. I have no no issue with that. But but it is there is some danger dealing with the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's fair to say. That is very true. Has always been the case, and is certainly the case here in 2021. Um, the reason that I said I was not over the moon ecstatic with the pick mm. of Smith, even though, and for those of you who uh, find me in other places, other than here on Birds 365, this is show number 19 for us. And I've been talking about Devonta Smith for uh, all, uh, this is show number 20. We've done 19. The first 19 picks, chances are I talked about Devonta Smith because I was that high on him as a wide receiver coming into the league. Uh, this wasn't something that just started when Birds 365 started. Uh, on the air last year, CBS, WIP, yeah. you happen to catch me. I thought he was the best of the wide receivers in the Alabama wide receiver room last year, which included 
uh, Ruggs and Judy, two guys who were drafted in the first round. Not as high as Devonta Smith and or his teammate, Mr. Waddle. Um, they set the new record for the two highest round, first round pick wide receivers ever. Knocked their uh, former teammates off the board one year later. But I thought he was the best player in that room last year. And thought he was coming out and thought he should have been drafted before his two teammates. He decided to go back to school. Surprisingly won the Heisman Trophy. I didn't know he was going to be that good. But I was uh, kind of taken aback that he even went back to school. I thought he should have and could have come out. So I've been talking his kid up for a year and change. This isn't a, hey, you know that Devonta Smith could fall to the Eagles type thing. I was gaga over Devonta Smith last year before he even went out and won the Heisman Trophy. So I've been in this kid's corner for quite some time. Yet when the pick came up and I knew the Eagles were trading up, they announced it. I said, are they trading up to get Devonta Smith or maybe, just maybe, are they changing their mind despite the fact that Jeff Lurie, not completely on the record, but through Chris Mortensen, had said, we need to do whatever it takes to put better pieces around Jalen Hurts, I thought maybe they did a double take because Justin Fields at number 10 in the draft was still, in my estimation, great value. I held out the possibility that that could be the name they called out. It was not. It was Devonta Smith. So I'm not mad at it. I can't be down about it. I think Devonta Smith had a chance to become a superstar in this league. But as we discussed on the show yesterday, Quarterback is still the number one position. They had a chance to get, for my money, the second best quarterback in the draft, even though three others had gone off the board before him. And he ended up going one pick later to the Chicago Bears to basically make poor Nick Foles irrelevant <laughs> right now. Um, I think Andy Dalton did that. They didn't even need the, the uh, Justin Fields to make Nick Foles irrelevant. But, yeah. It was funny, Jody, because I got killed right away because people, oh, you got to go. Jody Mack's going to kill you tomorrow morning. I said, Jody didn't want Devontae Smith at 10. That was his Sophie's choice. He wanted Justin Fields. I did joke to Joe Krause, though. I did the math, and and that's not my forte, as we know, early on the 19s, uh, 19 shows of Birds 365. Um, but I went, you know, 2021, let's give Devontae Smith 10 years, 2031, 2036 before Damo, uh, hopefully still healthy and kicking votes him in the Hall of Fame. And Jody and I are going to be out in Canton for Devontae Smith. <laughs> that's it. That's a promise out of you. I heard it. It's on record. See, the thing about you saying it on YouTube, it never yeah. goes away. So you just said it. It's on record, McMullen. We're going. Well, I, I love going to Canton. I'll okay. go for anybody. Well, neither one of us are going to be spring chickens at that time. No. But uh, we have, Yeah, I we'll, might have a cane, but I'll be there. We'll suck it up and get it done, even if we have to drive out to Canton. It'll be a lengthy drive. Uh, yeah, I do think he's got a chance to be in that conversation. I, I'm not foolish enough, and you're doing it with tongue implanted in cheek, that he's going to be a Hall of Famer. It's not an impossibility. I'm not going to say that, yes, John Johnny Mack and I have already made great, great talent. My only concern, I think it's, I, I mean, look, there aren't a lot. And, and Howie and Nick and Andy Waddle got asked this. I think it was Zach Berman. So it gives Zach the credit. Um, there aren't a lot of examples of 166-pound guys having long careers in the NFL at the receiver position. I, I, I'm, yes, I mean that. I can't get over that hurdle. 
And when I look at the way Devontae Smith plays, he was a yak machine in Alabama. Like, he didn't run out of bounds. He 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 tried to get the – that's not going to work in this league, Jody. Either get stronger, he gets more physical. I look at the most physical players in the history of the game. Cam Newton, a perfect example. Man, when Cam Newton was at the height of his career, he was just beating people up. He was a linebacker playing quarterback. He was running, you know, lead draws from the quarterback position. Um, and then all of a sudden it was done. He was physically shot. It happens to everybody, even the most physical, strong guys. If you take punishment in this league, you're going to get hurt. Zach Ertz always tells me the injury rate in this league is 100%. 100%. Understood. But it's 100% for every position on the football field. It's not just the wide no, receiver right. position. Right. If anything, the wide receiver position is less possible to get hurt than it used to be. Because to use your favorite word, they have legislated a big chunk of that out of the game. So Devontae Smith has a better chance of staying healthy than receivers two years ago, five years ago, 12 years ago, and 20 years ago, which you're using as a template to decide whether a 166-pound yeah. guy can stay healthy. Well, maybe not in the NFL in the 90s or the 80s, but we're not talking about the 90s or 80s anymore. We're talking about the 2020s. But we, but we still don't have an example. So there is some uncertainty. Like I just talked about long-term. And look, maybe it's a two-year window. Maybe it's a three-year window. Maybe it's a four-year window. But if we're talking 10-year window, I got to see it. I got to see it to believe it. Well, if they hadn't taken Devonta Smith, they would have taken another player. And how do we know that player is going well, to be Yeah, sure. Everybody gets hurt. And that's why I bring up Cam Newton. You know, but the thing about somebody like Cam Newton is he was hurt and banged up and really in really difficult straights before anybody knew about it. But he was so big and so powerful, he played through it longer than most people could. That's sort of what I'm trying to say. Everybody gets banged up in this league, but some people are more equipped to handle it than others. I, I I think that's common sense. And let me say this about Devonta Smith and Yak, as you correctly touched on. He got a lot of it when he was at Alabama. Um, the guy who I think personified it and did it better than anyone in the history of the National Football League was Emmett Smith. And I'm understand I'm comparing apples and oranges here, a wide receiver and a running back, but you'll get my point. Um, Emmett Smith when at the very last second had to make a decision to either throw Get his shoulder down yeah. and cause contact, be the guy who initiated the contact, or try and go that extra yard, yard and a half and get the hell out of bounds, Emmett Smith would go out of bounds. Yeah. He wouldn't run backwards. Nope. He wouldn't go sideways. He would try and get every inch, nope, but he knew you. exactly where he was going to go out of bounds, and he would avoid 90% of the contact. I compared Devonta Smith to Emmett Smith, that he can be that kind of wide receiver. He's not – you use Cam Newton as a comparison. Cam would put his shoulder down and try and move a safety, yep. move a linebacker. Yep. 
Devonta Smith doesn't do that. He's not that stupid. Well, He's I not go that back crazy. You know what? You know the guy. I I like to tell my stories. I told you my famous Adrian Peterson story. I'll tell you another one about Adrian Peterson. First of all, I've had six knee surgeries, Jody. Six knee surgeries. Damn. Now, the most pain I've ever felt in my life was a handshake from Adrian Peterson back when we were allowed <laughs> to shake people's hands. It was like a vice. It was, people will talk about it. Ask other people. It is like an unbelievable vice. That's how powerful that guy is. The rule where they change the crown of the helmet for the offensive player in the NFL is called the Adrian Peterson rule because he would just lower his head and bowl people over. And you're that you're exactly right with Emmett Smith. People need to learn to step out of bounds. You don't need to prove your dominance over every player in this league because ultimately, ultimately, whether it is Cam Newton, Adrian Peterson, whomever, if you keep doing that stuff, I remember the the angriest I ever saw Frank Reich was when Carson Wentz. It was a game in Carolina. They were inside the five. He lowered his shoulder to try to get in the end zone. And he got lucky. He didn't get hurt. Frank Reich was so upset at him. He said, you know, he just told him how dumb it was. The Eagles, since the day, since day one that he got here, said, you got to protect yourself. You got to be on the field. You got to be smart. Some of it's just natural, Jody. And some people like Emmett Smith, that's a great example, were smart enough and had the football IQ to just dip out of bounds, as you mentioned. I hope Devontae Smith has that. He, well, he needs that, to have that, that. That's what he showed me at the University of Alabama. All right, we are going to get our first time out in here. Then we're going to bring on the guy who's going to be calling that name, Devontae Smith, quite often over the next decade, hopefully after he gets into the end zone. The voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Mel Reese, scheduled to join us here on Birds 365. <clears throat> If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Three years later, they fired their Super Bowl winning head coach. They traded the highest paid QB in franchise history. And they traded down in the 2021 NFL Draft. What does it all mean now? Find out during the draft from the premier Philadelphia Eagles reporter, Derek Gunn. Watch, listen to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. 
Learn more at IBEW98.org. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Appreciate you tuning in to Birds 365, Mac and Mac Guy, John McMullen, Jody McDonald. On the day after round one of the 2021 NFL Draft, bold move by the Philadelphia Eagles. They look to add a weapon. Will Devonta Smith be that here for the next two years, five years, ten years? Well, if he is the guy who's going to be calling out his name after he makes the big plays that the Eagles are hoping on is our next guest. The voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese, joins us here on Birds 365. How are you this morning, Merrill? I am great, Jody. I am very, very happy. I think they got it right. I think everything broke the way they had hoped to. And then they had to make the nifty move to trade up with Dallas and uh, pluck Devontae Smith away from the Giants. Yeah, Merrill, good to see you, first of all. Um how excited are you? I mean, you do get to call that name. You Have you been practicing already? Have you thought about a few Devontae Smith calls when the big plays are coming? You yeah. saw him at Alabama. Yeah, you know what, uh, John? I, I am a college football fan. I watch a lot of college football, and I remember watching Devontae Smith and thinking, boy, wouldn't it be great if the Eagles <laughs> somehow end up with this guy? He is really special. But then – once they traded out of the sixth spot, I thought it was very, very remote that he would be there at 12. But I did figure going into the draft that they would have a shot at either uh, Waddle or Smith, Sertan or uh, a Horn. And mm-hmm. uh, I think they got the right one. As do I. I'm a big fan of the kid and have been for over two years now. Um, Merrill, the fact that they did the deal with the Dallas Cowboys – to get to number 10, to get to Bud Smith, and you say to pluck him from the Giants. We'll never know that, but we all believe that that's the case. So they did what they had to do. Does it scare you that Dallas was the team they had to deal with to be able to get their hands on Devonta Smith? Well, it's it's not something that you would automatically think is a given, that the Cowboys are going to help the Eagles or vice versa. But in this case, you're worried about yourself first. And once, once Carolina, I think everyone talks about the fact that Denver ended up taking Sertan. But Carolina started that. Yeah. Took Horn. So once Horn was gone and then Sertan was gone, what's, going, what's Dallas going to do? Then they were still able to move back, and it benefited them because they could move back, get the Eagles third, and get, I think, a great linebacker of Micah Parsons. Yeah, Merrill, you bring up a good point. I think the key to it all was that J.C. Horn pick. I I don't think a lot of people saw J.C. going to Carolina, staying in the Carolinas. And then all of a sudden, Denver, 
who had just picked up Teddy Bridgewater because a lot of people put quarterback in Denver, maybe Justin Fields going there. All of a sudden, you have cornerback, cornerback, and then maybe the, the the Cowboys and the Eagles are scrambling a little bit because yep. they thought those quarter corners were going to be in the mix. Really, I, I think there's a chance, a very good chance, that if the Eagles had stayed where they were at 12 at that moment, that the Cowboys, let's say the Cowboys had been able to pick one of the corners, the Giants would have taken Smith and the Eagles would have traded back. Because oh. those are the four they would have taken yeah. at that spot. It, it had to be Sertan, Horn, Smith, or Waddle. Uh, no, it becomes kind of irrelevant, but just to get your opinion on it, Merrill. If one of the two corners, be it either Horn or Sertan, had been left on the board when the Eagles picked, be it either trade up to 10 to do so, probably less likely because the Cowboys would have uh, not given up the pick if a corner was there, but say they did or just stay at 12 and those two players are available. Do you think the Eagles would have taken the wide receiver or the cornerback? Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. I, I still say, I still say wide receiver. And the reason I say that is because Nick Sirianni give the new coach a gift. And Nick Sirianni is Sirianni is a, a former wide receiver coach. He loves speed. He loves an offense that really has weapons. And I think they would have leaned toward the wide receiver. Personally, I might have leaned toward Micah Parsons. Wow. That, now, you mentioned give Nick Sirianni a gift, Merrill. They also gave the young quarterback a gift. And let's remember, Jalen Hurts only has four starts under his belt. He's already got a history with Devontae Smith from when he was in Alabama before the transfer to Oklahoma. So there was a little bit of a theme in that top 10. You saw uh, Jamar Chase go back with Joe Burrow. You saw Jalen Waddle with Tua in Miami. And now you see Devontae Smith with the Philadelphia Eagles getting back with Jalen Hurts. How important could that chemistry be? You know who they gave a gift to? They gave a gift to every Eagles fan in the city, an electric player who will light it up, and he's a good kid. He's, he's a nice, humble, quiet young man. He's never going to give them a bit of trouble, and he's just he's, he's a gift to the city. Merrill, uh, yes, uh, the fact that the quarterback and the new wide receiver play together is a bit of a plus for this team, um, and I think that they made a statement because I'm with you. I thought it would have been a tough choice between cornerback and wide receiver when the two corners went. It made the choice easier. But they did what the owner suggested they do, if you believe Chris Mortensen report. They, with their first move, decided to give another weapon to Jalen Hurts. I think it was a necessary weapon. The Eagles now have a lot of wide receivers on their roster, some of which haven't developed yet, some of which are going to be given a shot to still develop, but they're all pretty damn young. Is this wide receiver core going to be good enough for Jalen Hurts this year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, listen, we're all, we all know that, that uh, Justin Jefferson was the man last year, so there was disappointment over Rager. But Rager, uh, a healthy Jalen Rager, is not chopped liver. A healthy Jalen Rager is still a dangerous wide receiver. And with Rager on one side and Smith as the X receiver, and I, I'm a guy who likes Greg Ward because he's very, very dependable in the slot. Then you have Travis Fogum. You have 
Quez Watkins, who shows a spark, and Hightower, who's an ascending player. I think they've got a deep and exciting wide receiver room. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Nick Sirianni, um, new head coach. I, I think we're all disappointed about how things ended with Doug. But to me, Merrill, I see a breath of fresh air with Nick Sirianni. The energy, uh, just how he relates to people. Um, obviously, in the pandemic and things are not quite back to normal, we're getting a little bit closer. Um, we don't have the same access we once did. But your first thoughts on, on, on Nick Sirianni? Uh, he is a guy with a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, I've had an opportunity to spend one-on-one -on -one time with him, and he's a great guy. And uh, I, I'm anxious to see what the whole thing looks like when it comes together, system-wise and the roster. But uh, uh, he's listen, he's 39 years old. Dick Vermeil was 38 when he came here. And both guys have tremendous enthusiasm. We know what became a Dick Vermeil. That's, that's a lot to project for anybody coming in, but uh, give him a chance. He's a, he's a bright, young, enthusiastic, dedicated football professional, and I can't wait to see it unfurl. Merrill, uh, day one is always the most important. It grabs the most attention, and everyone pays uh, mind to it because it is the supposed top players. Day two just as important. And day three, although not nearly as glamorous, with more picks involved, can be just as important. We're coming up on day two. Having taken a wide receiver off the board, uh, no, you try to not draft specifically for need, but if you can, it's never a bad thing. And give us a little guesstimate as to uh, what the Eagles will do with their two okay. picks. They had three, had to give up one to get Devontae Smith, but they still got their own second and third round pick. What okay. direction do you think the Eagles are going? Jody, I have to run for, run to a speech, but but and let me just tell you this before I go, because I, I love being on with you guys. Uh, if if I'm there at six and and – Asante Samuel Jr. is there at six. I oh, grab love it. And love then, it. And then late in the draft, draft a punter because they lost a great one in Cam Johnson. So I said the same thing, Merrill. Draft a punter. At, at some point, it's fifth, sixth, seventh. Yeah. I have to run, but it's great being on with you guys, and you're doing a great show. Merrill, Thanks, thank Merrill. Appreciate it. Appreciate it a few minutes. We had a couple of minutes with uh, voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. Mal Reese here with us on Birds 365. He's that going down the Johnny Mac route. Uh, that yes. all-important seventh-round punter. Yes. Uh, is, is he out of Wake Forest? Uh, big, Georgia Tech. Presley Hart. Yeah. I knew it was one of yeah. those ACC schools. Uh, and I uh, certainly looked him up, uh, but I didn't, didn't keep my eye on the punting at Georgia Tech this year. What's his name again? Uh, Presley Harvin. He was the Ray Guy Award winner, Jody. He weighs 255 pounds, so Eagles fans will love him. He also can throw the football. He's one of those guys. Johnny Hecker-like. I, I, I think Eagles fans would love to have Presley Harvey. Put uh, the fake punt back into the Eagles playbook yeah. going forward. Doug wasn't afraid to call it because Doug was never afraid of anything, but you got to have somebody that you know can throw the ball. That would be a nice addition. And hey, if he's an oversized punter, that would balance the scales for the undersized wide receiver that the Eagles just took yesterday. Good point. Good point. So it's overall team pounds, not next. Uh, you know, I'm just kidding with you. All right, we are the uh, Birds 365 guys. We'll take a uh, timeout. I got a bunch of other things I want to run by Johnny Mac. We're hoping to have a an hour or two guest, perhaps a former Philadelphia Eagle and 
big time broadcaster over the last 20 years. Maybe joining us. We're not 100% locked in on that yet. Um, and he's doing something big today. So I hope you get him. Okay. He's doing something very big today. We will find out about that. All right. He is John McBone. I'm Jody McDonald with your Birds 365 guys right here on the Jacobs Media Channel. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media Channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Three years later, they fired their Super Bowl winning head coach. They traded the highest paid QB in franchise history. And they traded down in the 2021 NFL Draft. What does it all mean now? Find out during the draft from the premier Philadelphia Eagles reporter, Derek Gunn. Watch, listen to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. We are the Mac and Mac guys. I'm going to 365. We thank the legendary voice in Philadelphia Eagles, Mel Reese, for hopping on board with us for a couple of minutes. Yeah, he's got a busy day. Uh, this is his time of year, Eagles' time of year, with uh, reshaping of the roster through the NFL draft. We know who round one is. Now we'll see what the Eagles do in round two and round three. Uh, before we went to break, I kind of teased the fact that we may have a second guest if you didn't figure out who it was. Uh, we hope to get former Eagle defensive lineman Mike Golick with us today. Uh, of course, you probably no one recognized Golick. Those of us who are old enough to remember when Mike wore the Kelly green, yeah. um, so be it. Uh, others don't, but know Mike Golick from the years that he worked at ESPN on both the TV and radio side. 
Um, we're going to try and get Mike up before the show comes and goes today. And you say he's got uh, important duties to take care of tonight. Yeah, Amen. Mike uh, uh, is the Eagles alumni who will be announcing the team's second round pick tonight. So he's got some work to do out in Cleveland. And I want to ask him if he's ready for a Wosu Koromoa or one of those. Well, yeah, what would what, you say? Yeah, exactly. Is he ready for that? <laughs> He's got to be a little nervous, you know, but he's a radio guy. He's been doing it for years. That's probably true. But then again, some of these names are very, 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 very difficult. But a little practice makes perfect. I didn't even know uh, that was going to be the uh, assignment for my goal tonight. I uh, hope he enjoys it, has a good time with it. That, and by the way, that's my cue to get in Halapula Bati Baitai. I'm so upset when he signed to Detroit only because I perfected it. And I love saying, you got pretty damn good at it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't, I know he's an Ohio guy, I think just outside of Cleveland. Isn't this kind of like a coming home party for Golick? I believe so, yeah. He's more of a Notre Dame guy, but certainly, yeah, he started out in Ohio. His whole family went to Notre Dame, his kids, everything. So he won't shut up about a Wusu Koromoa. Uh, yeah, probably. If the Eagles take him, that'll be a great pick for Golick yeah. because it'll be his former team, the Eagles, drafting from his former university. We'll see if that actually uh, pans out uh, the way that it does. Um, Johnny Mack, uh, let's spend a couple of minutes talking about what didn't happen for the Eagles. Not to put a negative spin on it because I think Howie Roseman played the game damn close to perfection last night, as a matter of fact. He can't do everything, can't wave a magic wand. Uh, a lot of people believe there was a real good chance the Eagles going to draft a cornerback in the first round, that one of the two top corners would come down to them at number 12. It didn't happen. Not only did the, the Cowboys pick off a cornerback that the Eagles may have wanted to, they didn't even get down to the Cowboys. Uh, they were taken off the board prior to that. I still don't understand why Denver decided to take a cornerback. Yeah. Denver has already got uh, talent at the corner. <laughs> now, not young talent, a couple of veteran guys there, but guys who could already play where they could have filled more of a need where they had their pick. Uh, were you surprised that both of the corners gave off as early yeah. as they did? Yeah, I thought Merrill brought up a good point. I, I think that Carolina pick surprised a lot of people. I, I saw a couple mock a corner they certainly needed a corner, but I think a lot of people thought they would go in a different direction. And then when it was J.C. Horn sort of jumping in front of uh, Patrick Sertan and, you know, also the first defensive player picked in the draft, J.C. Horn, at the start of this process, you know, a lot of people had him as a second-round pick, and all of a sudden the draft comes and he's the first defensive player off the board. And then, as you mentioned, Denver – we talked a lot about picking up Teddy Bridgewater. Look, I don't think that's the answer. Drew Locke's not the answer. Justin Fields is sitting there. Mac Jones is sitting there. As you mentioned, they have some corners, and they take a corner? I, I think that surprised everybody. Uh, so then, you know, both corners are off the board. The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe, are down to their plan B. Uh, and then there's sort of, uh, you know, it's interesting. Ian Rappaport said there's a lot of smoke screens and said the Eagles and Cowboys wanting cornerbacks was a smoke screen. 
I don't think it was a smoke screen at all. I don't I don't see how you put that two and two together because they're off the board. It becomes a smoke screen. Obviously, the Cowboys are going to say, yeah, we wanted Micah Parsons. The Eagles are going to say, yeah, we wanted Devontae Smith. But guess what? I think they both wanted Patrick <laughs> Sertan first. Would not be surprised if that was the case with both of them. I certainly believe it's the Cowboys, and I'm pretty sure about it with the Eagles. Um, but either one of them could add horn rated above Sertain, but the fact that he came off the board first makes it irrelevant. Uh, I, I like to do the guessing ahead of time, and even though you will never get it proved, kind of like we'll never prove, be able to prove that the Giants board had uh, Devonta Adams right there ready to be picked. We believe it. Their actions kind of detail it, but we'll never know unless someone gets on the record for it. I like doing it ahead of time. After the fact, it's just too simple to look at it and go, oh, no, I don't believe that's actually what they were going to do. Yeah. That was just a smoke screen so they could do that. That's too easy for me. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I don't want to knock Rappaport or anybody no. else, but no. that, that, that's just yeah. too easy a conclusion. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's silly. You don't always get, and unless you're Jacksonville, Jacksonville got the player they wanted. Everybody else, they didn't get the player they wanted first because everybody wanted Trevor Lawrence. So number one, you're already down to two on everybody's board, including the New York Jets. They're they're taking their second choice. So, yeah, I mean, were there some smoke screens? Look, San Francisco, that was a pretty good smoke screen. Uh, Mac Jones and all the talk leading up to Mac Jones. And I don't know why. I mean, they could have, they had their choice. I don't, I don't know why you go through all that rigmarole. But by the way, we got to get into Aaron Rodgers as well, as, as well at some point in the show. But um, look, they ended up taking Trey Lance and things moved from there. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to believe NFL general managers, everybody got the player they wanted. Everybody. So you got to take it all with a grain of salt. Johnny Mack, I want to, and I do want to talk about Aaron Rodgers as well. Um, not unofficially by design, the fact that this story breaks on draft day that Aaron Rodgers is not happy and he's already communicated that with the Packers and that uh, he really would prefer to be somewhere else. Sure, these conversations have gone on behind the scenes previous to that. Shoot, you and I have been talking about it here on Birds 365, but, you know, it's not a lock that Aaron Rodgers stay with Green Bay. But it uh, kind of bubbled over yesterday, which, if you ask me, let me ask you, Mr. Reporter, this is a Rodgers creation, right? Oh, you, you yeah. That was done on purpose. That was leaked on draft day for a particular reason. Nobody is more calculated than Aaron Rodgers when it comes to uh, professional sports stars. He knows everything coming out of his mouth. He controls the narrative. He, I, I've been talking about this for months, Jody. He wants out of Green Bay. He's wanted out of Green Bay. This is an interesting thing from the Eagles' perspective for two reasons. One, they might need a quarterback next year. May not, but might. And, and this was, is one of the greatest to ever play the game, and they'll be in a position to make a run. Now, I don't think he wants to play on the East Coast. He wants to play on the West Coast and do Jeopardy and all that kind of stuff and stay with a soon-to-be wife. Um, I don't think they're married yet, but either way, uh, he wants to be out there. And, and secondly, um, 
if if you look at what happened with Carson Wentz, that's not rare. That is not rare. I've been saying this to Eagles fans who say Carson Wentz shouldn't be upset. Carson Wentz should put his head down and compete. That part I agree with. Everybody gets upset when their heir apparent is taken. Brett Favre got upset when Aaron Rodgers was taken. Aaron got upset when Jordan Love was taken. Joe Flacco got upset when Lamar Jackson was taken. Um, and people criticized Joe Flacco for saying he's coming in here to compete. Nobody, nobody. If they told us today, Jody, hey, you guys, you know, you're not going to make it to Devontae Smith's Hall of Fame induction ceremony. We got our, we got your, your heir apparents in the back here. Could you teach them how to do birds 365? Guess what they're getting from me, Jody? Not that it, it's not all positivity is right. what I'm trying to say. It's common sense. They're not happy when you take the guy who's going to replace them. And when you take the MVP's heir apparent, he's like F you. And that's where we are with the Green Bay Packers. But here's the, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a guy who's less understanding. Apparently you are when a guy gets his nose out of joint. When a football team is just doing smart business for putting hey, safety nets in That's why the job is place. tough. Yeah. Uh, here's where I would use your comparison about us being replaced on Birds 365. If they said that and said, we've got a team that we think will be better than Mac and Mac, uh, and yeah, within the next two, three years, we'll probably transition. But who knows? If you guys are still great, we just have these guys around just in case. And oh, by the way, we'll pay you a little more money. We'll get you a better set, a better green screen. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll upgrade the producer, even though I don't think that can be done because Xander is good as it gets. And they did all these other things to make me feel better about the current situation we're in. And to do an even better Birds 365, maybe I wouldn't get my nose out of joint. Here's where I think the Packers screwed up. Not the fact that they took love. Well, yes, in part, because I thought he was a little overrated when he was taken last year. I didn't have him as highly rated as other people did. But just the concept of taking your next quarterback, I wasn't as bent out of shape as Aaron Rodgers or a whole bunch of other people, they didn't do the other things. Aaron Rodgers did not get an upgrade at wide receiver, either in last year's draft after they used to pick on Love, or in any trades that they could have made, or in free agency this year. They've done nothing to give Aaron Rodgers more to win right now. He saw what uh, Tampa did bringing in Brady, and then, oh, by the way, once they got Brady bringing in even more pieces like uh, Brown, like uh, Gronkowski to give him that much more chance for success, the Packers did nothing to do that for Aaron yeah. Rodgers. I, nope. I'd have no problems with him getting upset and trying to play the leverage game now. But because the Packers didn't do what they needed to do to give him the weapons, more so than they brought in his potential down the road uh, replacement, kind of like the Patriots did with Jimmy G. And that never did happen in New England, did it? Uh, so that's why I'm okay with Rodgers getting uh, his nose bent out of shape now for a different reason than most people think is the number one reason. Well, no, I, I think that's the number one reason. I agree. That's where this all started. He's saying to himself, he said it, um, I think it was on 
uh, I can't remember what show it was on when he was talking about the pick. So I don't want to, I don't want to give the wrong person credit, but I'll try to figure it out in, in our next break. But he went on someone's show and basically said, look, we made the NFC championship game. We're that close to going to the Super Bowl, and you're not getting me a receiver? Uh, you're, you're taking a guy who's not going to play? And, and part of the reason is, and what happened this year, they make a run, a deep run, and they end up in the same spot, and they're not trying. You know, part of it is Rodgers is so good, he turns Robert Tunyon into a Pro Bowl tight end. And he's done it so many times with average receivers. And the Packers think to themselves, we can go in different directions. We can create an insurance policy. Where I think it's correct, the Green Bay Packers, we always talk about championship windows. Well, they've had a championship window open. We had Andrew Brand on. I joke. They're the most spoiled fan base in NFL history. Because their championship window has been open for 30 years and counting. They got two, and it seems silly to say they should have gotten more because it's really difficult to win, but they should have gotten more. And one of the reasons they haven't gotten more, in the Brett Favre days, they never signed anybody in free agency. They just started doing it now a little bit. you got to seize the opportunity and they don't do it. So Aaron's like, eh, I'll go somewhere else. Hopefully San Francisco. And I'll, he might win two in three or four years with Kyle Shanahan and that team. But now it's out the window. Right. He's not going to San Francisco. Uh, let me just, uh, I, I'd like to get your take on basically the entire draft. We're not going to overanalyze every single pick, but let's go uh, relatively quickly through it. Uh, leading up to the Eagles, we'll certainly go down to at least the Washington football team. I don't know that we need to do all 32 picks. Uh, I tweeted this out last night. I could have spent the entire night on Twitter just reacting to every single pick. I didn't do it. I just felt the need to do this right at the top, and then I backed off thereafter. Uh, that the NFL draft that was supposed to start at 8 o'clock, uh, that to me meant that they were going to be ready. They would do the lead up. Come on, you know better than that. Come on, Jody. Seven twenty rather than seven fifty-five before the draft supposed to start at eight o'clock. The first pick didn't come down till eight twenty something, which is yeah. just in my mind blatantly ridiculous. If you're going to uh, announce that the NFL draft starts at eight o'clock, eight twenty-six is when. Roger Goodell finally said, and with the first pick in the draft, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence. No great surprise uh, that he's going to be a star quarterback. You got any reservations about uh, Lawrence? They're competent to uh, Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck and all the way back to uh, John Elway. I don't think they're unfair comparisons. How about you? No, my only reservation is Jacksonville, the Jacksonville Jaguar, Jaguars. I don't think that's a great spot for any quarterback uh, until they prove their organization. And I like Tony Khan personally. He's a wrestling guy, as I am. Um, but, you know, that, that organization, and Shad Khan is one of those owners that gets too involved in personnel. I got to see how this Urban Meyer thing shakes out. I joke, the funniest quote of me 
from the entire draft process, I was going back and forth between NFL Network, uh, ESPN, ABC, anybody else run that thing? Um, I was flipping back and forth just to see the production and what was going on. I think it was Kirk Herbstreit who said, Urban Meyer is trying to create a culture of getting better players. I said to my, well, yeah, that's a great culture. If he can do it, if he can pull it off, that's pretty common sense. But they got the best player. They got the best quarterback prospect, you know, maybe, certainly since Andrew Luck, maybe since John Elway. That's pretty good. That's a good foundational piece that I always talk about. Personally, I started off usually for years. I was always an ESPN guy. Uh, knew and uh, loved Chris Berman. Uh, got to know Trey Wingo was good enough to hop on with us the other day here <laughs> on Birds 365. So I was always an ESPN guy over the NFL Network guy since the NFL Network hopped on board. Um, not as big a Mike Greenberg fan as a Wingo fan or a Berman fan. So I said, let me start with the NFL Network, and I did. Um, I got back over to ESPN. I didn't go to ABC at all. Did They advertise it as the uh, the feature show where they're going to give you more information and give you a taste of what the players yeah. went through to get there. Was that good if you watched some of it? I, I just tuned in to see McShay a little bit because he missed last year's draft because he had COVID. Um, but I didn't spend much time on ABC. I'm a, I'm a Daniel Jeremiah guy, so... Uh, I like Daniel a lot. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, so it tends to be, you know, Mike Mayock. I, I, I still think Mike is the best to ever do it uh, from a personnel standpoint, in my opinion. Uh, so it started there, and I think Daniel's done a good job as well. So I tend to land on those guys. Except Mike Mayock made a pick that nobody understood. Uh, we'll get to that in just yeah. a second. I uh, mentioned that I'll, the other day on the show. I'll give uh, uh, Rich Eisen credit. I had not thought of this when the, Eagle, when the uh, Jets made their pick at number two and took Zach Wilson. Instead of Broadway Joe, they get Zach Fifth Avenue, which yeah, I thought was a, a nice. nice little play that's on nice. words. Um, I'm, I might steal that, Jody. Feel free. Yeah, Rich Rich put it out there for public yeah. consumption, so it's now fair game for all of yeah. us. That's one of the other things I – that was on my – I sometimes get confused between what I tweet and what I put on a text chain with all my fellow Jet fans. I think I used that again uh, with my fellow Jet fans texting last night. I, I like the kid. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback. I'm not going to knock the pick and say, what the hell were the Jets thinking – you know I'm a bigger Justin Fields fan than a Zach Wilson fan, but I think they got themselves a very good quarterback. Um, they also moved up aggressively later. I love their year. second pick. Yeah, I you love their Jets second pick. I you love it. About very love tough it. a lot. Love it. Um, they to get the quarterback and then give him protection is pretty good. But again, and I sound like such a uh, second guesser now. Um, I, I was kind of hoping for Najee Harris. He went 24. They had the 23rd mm. pick. They mm. had to give up plenty to get up there and get Vera Tucker, and they could have just sat and taken Najee Harris, but everyone questions the value of running backs in the first round in the NFL draft. I think Najee Harris is going to be a star for Pittsburgh, and the Jets wouldn't have had to give anything up to get him. When you take a quarterback in the top five, everything in your organization has to be geared towards making – 
that quarterback successful. And I think I love that they went up and got Barrett Tucker for two reasons. One, I love the player. I love the versatility. I told you he can fit in anywhere. So wherever the Jets need help, they can plug him in on the offensive line. Two, as I said, I thought this draft was about 16, 17 deep. So they're out of that range. And what I criticized Dave Gettleman and Rick Spielman for, I'm going to give Joe Douglas credit because he's going up and getting one of those guys. And I think that's more valuable, just as you said, with the Eagles going up to get Devontae Smith, they targeted somebody they wanted. You got to give something up. Yo, second pick in the third round, I think, was one of the picks they gave up. Who cares, Jody? Who cares? I mean, they got a really good player, a foundational piece on the offensive line to protect a young quarterback. I just think that makes sense. I think you should be really, really happy as a Jets fan. Unless Najee Harris becomes the leading runner in the National Football League. And then- For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I will question it. Uh, again, much like with the Eagles pick. And I wanted to tell you this story. I think you'd appreciate it. Hopefully, all the uh, followers and viewers here on Birds 365 will. When the Eagles made their pick last night and took Devonta Smith, that's the second time that's happened to me while broadcasting here in Philadelphia. While they made a pick that I liked, I like this one even more than the historical reference I'm going to give you. But I, I just couldn't go crazy over it because there was a pick there that I would have preferred. I take you back to 1998. The NBA draft. I know apples to oranges. Uh, but I was doing a show with my other Mac buddy, not McMullen, but Mac now. And the Mac and Mac guys were middays on WIP. And leading up to the draft all week, and Glenn's a much bigger hockey guy than a hoop guy. So he would lean on me for my basketball expertise the way I would lean on him for his hockey expertise. So he was taking what I was telling him uh, and running with it. There was a guy in the draft that I thought was going to fall to the Sixers and the Sixers would be well advised to take by the name of Larry Hughes. And on draft night, they go through the first round. And sure enough, at number eight, Larry Hughes is the Sixers pick. Now, Larry Hughes wasn't even uh, mocked to be the eighth pick. Moore had him down a little further in the first round, 10th or 12th or 13th. And I don't want to say it was a reach, but it was an aggressive pick for a kid who had only played one year at St. Louis, not a massive program. But I liked him a lot, and I said, this kid is worthy of the eighth pick in the draft, and if the Sixers take him, they're going to get themselves a pretty good player. Well, we come on the air the next day after the Sixers take Larry Hughes at number eight, and I go, Mac, I'm woefully disappointed. Yeah. He said, what are you talking about? You talked up Larry Hughes for two weeks. How can the you truth. be disappointed? I know where you're going. I said, I had no idea that Paul Pierce was going to fall to number eight. 
he was available. I had him as the second or third ranked player in the draft. Yeah. He's there at number eight, and the Sixers take a pass. What are they thinking about? Paul Pierce was the guy. And McNeil is just looking at me, shaking his head, going, wait, no, no, you talked about this guy for two weeks. How can you now be upset? I said, yeah, I am actually upset. Yes. And I was right to be upset. And that's exactly what happened with the Eagles last night. I love Devonta Smith. I think he's going to be a star. You said you think his ceiling is uh, Deshaun Jackson. I'll go to a that's different. That's pretty good ceiling, by the way. Right. I'm going higher. I'm going Mike Quick. I'm going all pro uh, type level. Deshaun Jackson never made that. Um, so I'm setting the bar even higher. That's how much I think of Devonta Smith and what his capabilities are in the National Football League. But, yeah, Justin Fields was on the board. I thought Justin Fields was a top five pick, certainly a top 10 pick. He ends up going at number 11, so not that far down. But the Bears aggressively move up to get him. I I'm, I'm fine with it. I can't be upset with it. The Bears have a couple talented uh, wide receivers. We'll find out. Uh, Nagy has had a couple of years stepping back in a row. He's on the hot seat, but I do believe he's a pretty good offensive coach. The question is how quickly is Fields going to be able to get into that Chicago lineup? Uh, I'm a fan of him, and I'm a bigger fan of the quarterback position than the wide receiver position. And, yes, the Eagles could have taken Justin Fields if they wanted to at number 10. Yeah. Well, people, as I said, people were telling me, oh, Jody's going to kill Johnny Mack tomorrow because we've been going back and forth. And I said, no, he's not. He wanted Justin Fields. Uh, so I knew this was coming. I mentioned it, the, your your own personal Sophie's choice, and it was there. It, it was almost ironic. It was the two players right there, and they go back to back, Devontae Smith and Justin Fields. Um, real quick, though, I want to go back to Larry Brown before we go back to the draft. Okay. What the worst part of, of that Larry Brown thing, he knew Paul Pierce was better. He admitted in later years he promised Larry Hughes he was going to take him and he didn't want to break his word. And I always said to myself, wow, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Larry to do that with a, I think it was a 19-year-old kid at the time, Larry Hughes. But, I mean, there's at some point you got to say, you know what? I mean, look, Larry, I wanted you. I love you. But I got to take Paul Pierce, who turned in, obviously, to a Hall of Fame player, uh, killed the Sixers, one of the great scorers of all time. So I hear what you're saying. You can be... It's what I always say, Jody, and I've been saying it this whole time, but nobody hears it. I think Devontae Smith is a really good player. I just would have went in another direction. That doesn't that's not an insult to the kid. I don't know why people can't connect those dots. I I, I understand the point you're trying to make, John. Um it's just I have his ceiling higher than your ceiling. Um so I I disagree with you in part because I think it was an easier pick than you do. Uh, you're you're not saying it was a bad pick. You're just not saying it was the 100% pick, nor am I, because of Justin Fields at number 10 or staying at 12. Either way, if you say, oh, that third round pick was something I had to, uh, I coveted and didn't want to give up to go get a guy like Devonta Smith. Where should the Eagles have gone at 12? Are, are you going to the offensive line just because? Yeah, well, I, I would have taken Slater. Yeah, I would have taken Rashawn Slater, who went, I think, 13 um, to, to the, the Chargers. Correct. And then Baratucka goes 14 to Jets straight up. I think those are two great picks. 
Uh, Mac Jones at 15 made sense, obviously, for the Patriots. And then I think you fell off a cliff. That's where I think the draft fell off a cliff. So that's why I don't like the teams that traded out of that top 15. Um, and I think they made big mistakes. And that's why I wouldn't be concerned for you uh, as a Jets fan about moving up and giving whatever the Jets gave up. I think it was the second, you know better than me, the second pick in the third round and something else. Uh, another third round pick? Was I, it two I think it was a, a fourth, as a matter of fourth. Yeah, I mean, I don't care about that in this draft. This draft is historically weak in the later rounds. Everybody's going to be trying trying to trade up because remember, because of the pandemic, Jody. Typically, the the pool you start out with is about thirteen hundred players. It was about seven hundred this year. So everyone's saying, "Look, if you want to go get a player, you better go get that player. Go up and get him." And that means in the first round, second round, throughout this process. Uh, I just had to double check it. Jets gave up. Two third-round picks, but got a fourth-round pick in exchange. Yeah. So they traded the difference between a third and a fourth and a third-round pick to move up and get him. And I liked Ryan Tucker, and I thought that was right about where he should have gone, maybe slightly high. But again, when you need a guy, when you want a guy, and don't kid yourself because uh, Slater had come off the pick before, that motivated the Jets. They wanted to get an offensive sure. lineman. Once one comes off it accelerates the aggression you think you need to show to get up the board to get one of your guys. I get it. I understand it. But again, just like with the Eagles pick, I'm a big Najee Harris fan. I think this kid has got a chance to go to the top of the NFL. And at one point, maybe within two years, maybe within four years, I don't know exactly when it's going to be. I think he's got a chance to be the best running back in the National Football League. I don't know that Elijah Vera Tucker is ever going to be the best offensive lineman in the National Football League. Even if you take it down to one position, well, is, is right guard more important than running back? I don't think so. Not, or left I, guard, I, I'm just not sure that he merits, uh, in, in a comparison sake, uh, does the guard position outweigh the running back? Well, the Jets still go, what, 34 second today, correct? Javante got a high Williams. second round pick, yeah. Javante Williams is there. That's the best running back in this draft. Javante Williams from North Carolina is going to be the best running back in this draft. They've been saying it for a couple weeks. Uh, he can do everything. He, he's going to be a three-down back. He can pass protect. We were talking to Matt Manicharian about him uh, yesterday. He mentioned him as well as potential first-round picks. Um he is just ready-made, man. I'll tell you one thing about running backs, and you know this, Jody. They can't pass block to save their life coming into the NFL. They just can't do it. Williams can do it. He's so far ahead of everybody else, and he's so physical. He gets more uh, yak yardage, more broken tackles. He is going to be a star. He's what I think you think Najee Harris is going to be. He's going to be – one of the best. He's going to be in the conversation with Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, those kind of running backs as the best running back in the NFL. Pretty early in his career, so much so that if I were the Eagles at 37, they're not going to take him. But I think about it. If he were still there, 
Yeah, see, uh, we, you and I are going to hopefully, before they bring in the replacement guys that we talked about earlier, that they already have lined up to take over Birds 365 within the next several years. Uh, hopefully, uh, we've got a couple of good years logged because I do want to compare a couple players going forward. I actually believe, not only do I believe Najee Harris is going to be better than Williams, and I definitely believe that. Not that Williams is going to be bad, but he's not going to live up to what Najee Harris is. I think his fellow Carolina backmate in their uh, backfield is actually going to be a more productive, different type back, different type. Well, more productive back than Williams is going to be. Michael Carter is the kid that I love. And here's where it should bother you from an Eagle fan standpoint. Um, they had to give up. It was their second third round pick, the one that they got from the Colts in exchange for Carson Wentz. But they gave up a third-round pick. I think Michael Carter is going to come off the board in the third round. You can always take him with your third-round pick uh, if you're the Eagles. They're going to probably use their remaining second-round pick on a defensive player. Could be corner. Could be D-line. I would doubt it's going to be a linebacker, but you never know if someone's standing out on their board at the time. That could be the way they go, or even safety. But I think it's a pretty damn good bet they're going to go defense in the second. Could they come back to offense in the third? Maybe. Could it be a running back? Maybe. I would love to see it be Michael Carter. But if they had two third-round picks left, the chances of them getting Michael Carter would be greatly increased. I'm telling you. He is much like Darren Sproles. He's an undersized type guy, but he is hellacious out of the backfield catching the football, even though he's a little on the smallest side. And yeah, I know they took a smallish wide receiver in the first round. Doesn't matter. He's a tough guy. He can run between the tackles if need be. I'm a big Michael Carter fan wherever he lands. Hey, if he goes to my Jets, I'll be perfectly fine with that too. But I thought the Eagles in the third round with two third-round picks were a pretty good chance to get with the two teams that I thought could get him in the third round. The Jets gave up not one, but both of their third-round picks to move up to get Vera Tucker, and the Eagles gave up one of theirs to get uh, Devonta Smith. Uh, you and I will be having comparison conversations between the two yeah. North Carolina running backs for years to come. I like Michael Carter, and I think he's got a chance to be a good third down back. Um, I hesitate with the Darren Sproles comparisons because I thought Darren Sproles was so unique. And and the thing about Darren Sproles is everybody looks at the height. A lot of people don't know Darren Sproles was the strongest pound-for-pound player on the Eagles. That's why I'm comparing uh, comparing Michael Carter to him. The kid is a dynamo. He's not afraid to go between the tackles and knock people backwards at 5'9". I don't know if he could put up the weight Darren Sproles could put up. His his legs were so powerful. Um, He he was just a legend when it came to the weight room. and everybody compares undersized backs to Darren Sproles. And I always say, Darren Sproles was short. He was not small. Um, he was so powerful, so compactly built. Um, and, yeah, then the height became either a detriment or sometimes even a positive because nobody could find him in the backfield. <laughs> you got all these – Six five defensive ends and 
six-three defensive tackles, and they're looking for this little little guy in the backfield. They couldn't find him, um, but just a great, great player. I like Michael Carter. I think he'd be a great fit for the Eagles because that's what they're looking for, a third down back, and they don't want a feature back. But I think Williams is going to be a feature back. I think he's going to be a Dalvin Cook back. And that, to me, is what everybody wants, the guy who can do everything and just get the hell out of the way. I think, you know, maybe Aaron Jones is a better comparison because – I don't know if he's going to be quite as good, but man, I'd like him. He's one of my favorite players in this draft, Javante. We'll, we'll see where they go. All right. Well, we're going through the draft. I still want to get your comments on a bunch of guys. Uh, we talked about Zach Wilson. Trey Lance ends up being the 49ers pick. They went with the unknown. They went with upside, even though it, uh, a lot of people projected and predicted Mac Jones was the perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense. I think they made a mistake, not because they didn't take Mac Jones, but because they didn't take Justin Fields. I'm staying true to my beliefs on the quarterback in this draft. But it does mean that Jimmy G is probably staying in San Francisco, not going to be traded, uh, I guess, at some point during the year. It'll be a lost year for San Francisco, and I don't think they're banking on that being the case coming into 2021. But do you think Lance sees the field at all? Do you think it's going to be midseason? Do you think he go into camp and be so good that they got to put him in as their starting quarterback? How do you think his uh, career in San Francisco? Is well, take I, I think two things. I think they're going to go into this with the plan that you just said, Jody, and that we're going to let the kids sit. And I think in the modern NFL, you can't do that. You take a quarterback in the top five, there's going to be such pressure to get him on the football field for two reasons. One, He's a talented kid. He's a top five pick, too. Jimmy Garoppolo is not that good. So the minute he starts to struggle, you're going to have this awesome pressure to put the kid uh, back on the field, on the field, quicker than you would like to. And who knows how that goes. It can go really poorly. It could go really well. But, yes, I think he, at some point, is going to be the starting quarterback of the 49ers early in his rookie season because Garoppolo is just not that good and there's going to be such pressure. You can't remember everybody looks at Aaron Rodgers and they say Brett Favre, you know, he sat for years. He was also picked in the twenties. He wasn't picked in the top five. He wasn't number three overall. You can get away with it that late in the draft when nobody knows anything about these players. You can't get away with it with a top five pick. Those guys are getting on the field and getting on the field quickly. Right. Everybody knew who Rogers was. It was just kind of a yeah, weird yeah. situation that it, the debate was raging right up until the first pick as to who San Francisco is going to take Rogers or Alex Smith. Uh, they went with Alex Smith, and it just so happened it was a year where well, you know nobody what I mean. else really I'm, needed I'm a talking, quarterback. Yeah, I'm talking about the pedigree. Everybody knows who Kyle Trask is, but you know, he's not a first round pick. It, there's no pressure to play a guy in the 20s. There's no pressure to play Jordan Love. There's pressure to play a guy you picked at the top of the draft. Extraordinary pressure right. in, in the era of social media, even more so than back then. On that, we agree. Kyle Pitts went number four right where he should have. This, again, I think kind of played to Harry Roseman's defense. Some people, not you or I, but some people thought – 
why the hell are you trading out a six? That's a value pick. That is what it is. You come down to 12. You are certainly stepping down in the value of the player that you're getting. Yeah, you got a future first-round pick, but my God, you could miss out on a Hall of Famer at that position. Well, the two guys who kind of stood out in that vein to me were Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase, even though you know I like Devontae Smith almost as much as Jamar. I think they're parallel like this, uh, even going in top two wide receivers. Uh, but Chase was thought of by a lot of others to be uh, significantly higher than uh, Devonta Smith. They come off the board four five, and Eagles had the sixth pick. So it wasn't like, oh, how how could how he trade out at six? Look at what he missed. Well, he didn't. The guys no. that I would have taken at six were all still there at uh, ten when they moved up to yeah. trade and get into the spot. So I think it played to Howie's uh, benefit again the way the players came off the board. Pitts four to Atlanta. Chase reunited with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Uh, did, were you surprised by any of those two picks? You like no. those two picks? Were either one of them a mistake <clears throat> in your eyes? I like the Atlanta pick. Uh, Cincinnati, I would have went with Sewell because I think it's more important to protect a quarterback than make him happy with his friend. But I, I think Chase is a, a, a great player. So ultimately, um, I, I don't have an issue with the player more than I would have rather had Panay Sewell uh, protecting Joe Burrow's coming off a serious injury. I mean, maybe consider that uh, before you start talking about uh, same thing we're talking about in Philadelphia, playmakers versus foundational pieces. Um, that's just what I believe in. But I, I think the kid is ultra talented. Uh, I will say that uh, when you talk about Howie Roseman, one of the things I chuckled about was people started giving Howie Ro Roseman credit, assuming he knew Pitts or, and Chase weren't going to be there at six, and those are the players he wanted. S similar to what we talked about with Ian Rappaport in, in, in the cornerbacks. It's a smokescreen. How the heck do you know? Howie admitted in the press conference, by the way, if you were listening, he thought more quarterbacks were going to go. He didn't think the board was going that way at six. So, look, I have no problem with the trade down. Ultimately, the way it ended up, we'll see how it works out. But I find it ironic that so many people that kill Howie Roseman are all of a sudden saying, oh, what a great decision. What a great decision. What a great decision. He turned into a genius overnight because he took the skill position player. People love skill position players. They make they make excuses for every decision. As long as he gets the skill position, everybody's happy. Well, I will say this. Um, did he know that those guys could be off the board uh, at number six? Of course he didn't. But then the draft happens, and we find out where they did come off the board. And if it turns out that he's right, then he gets credit for it. Whether he actually believed it or not, whether that was his actual line of thinking that he explained it to them, here's why I'm doing it. Because I'm guaranteeing you that Pitts and Chase are going to be off the board, yeah. and then we've got a drop-off on our board. So we're back. I don't need to know that. All I need to know yeah. is what well, happened. I'm not, I'm they not blaming, came off I'm the not, board before the Eagles would have had a chance to get him at six. Yeah, I'm not blaming Howie. I take advantage of it as well. But I just think it's funny how people turn. When they get the player they want, when they get the skill position guy, everything's copacetic. Everything's great. When they don't and they think he's going in another direction, it's fire, Howie. 
get the get the darker tint on the windows. You you know what? Um, he's the worst person in the world. As with everything in life, Jody, it's usually somewhere in between. I agree with you on that. In between was where the uh, Panthers and the Broncos went taking the two cornerbacks. I didn't see it coming. I thought the Eagles were going to no. have a pick at 12 between a top wide receiver and a cornerback, and they were going to have to show which they actually had a preference for or explain that that's what their board told them to do. That went by the board when both quarterbacks came off the board back-to-back as high as they did. I didn't see eight and nine as the two corners, uh, and I thought that Sertan was going to go before Horn. Uh, advantage either of those two teams? Um, I think Sertan is the safer player, uh, so I will say that. Um, I'm not in love with either pick for either team. By the way, ironically, Jody, I got the the text this morning that the Panthers have magically picked up the fifth-year option on Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they were just playing uh, some gamesmanship, hoping someone would trade up for the quarterback. I think they wanted to trade out. They didn't get the, the deal they wanted, uh, and they ended up taking a the player they wanted, which is what you should do but they probably would have preferred to drop back with the Eagles and take Horn at 12. Um, ultimately, though, yeah, we'll find out at some point. Um, I'm pretty confident of that. If the Eagles really wanted Patrick Sertan, I think they did. I think the Cowboys, I think that was plan A for both teams. And when it wasn't available, they had to shift gears. And I thought both did a good job. Uh, getting the players they wanted that were next on their particular boards. But I do think they both wanted a cornerback. And I think that cornerback was Patrick Sertan. We've certainly talked enough about Devontae Smith. We'll continue to do so, but we gave you our lot of thoughts about where he's at, what he could be, and uh, the fact that the Eagles got, a, I think, a potential superstar player. I rank him higher than you do. Only time will tell. But I didn't. I can't even say 100% I was committed to or loved the pick because the guy who went next at number 11 was Justin Fields, the quarterback that I had rated number over two, uh, number two overall in the draft, falls down to another number 11, goes to the Bears. Again, skill position and aggressive to trade up and get it. It's going to win the day in the eye of the fans. Now, will the yeah. player win on the field? That takes time to figure out. Will we know? Uh, they now have three quarterbacks in Chicago, one of which is our buddy Nick Foles, who he's great as a backup. I don't yeah. know if he's going to be cool as a third-string quarterback. And again, as you correctly pointed out, when you move up to take a quarterback and you take him high enough, and 11 isn't quite three like Trey Lance, but it is higher than where Aaron Rodgers was taken when he went down in the 20s to the Packers, there's going to be an expectation that Justin Fields has to see the field at some point. Andy Dalton is not going to come in and get the Bears in the championship game this year and or anywhere any days past that. So Fields is going to have to be of note in some way, shape, or form this year. What happens to Nick Foles? Is he just cast aside by the Bears? Would anyone trade for him? He makes a pretty good salary because he's on his previous contract. Is Nick Foles going to get pushed out in Chicago? Oh, Jody, he might be the third quarterback here. Are we going to start that again? I hope not. 
Um, yeah. But Joe I mean, Flacco's going to win the job, according to Joe Flacco. What are you talking yeah. about? I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't need a veteran as your third quarterback. And certainly I don't think Nick would be interested in that type of situation. And look, Andy Dalton's going to be the starter, uh, day one starter. And then Justin Fields, it's pretty clear, is the future of that football team now. So I don't necessarily think there's a spot for Nick Bowles. And look, he, he's a great backup quarterback. I think there's a spot for him in this league. Um, and we'll see. I mean, it's up to Nick. A, a lot of people forget Nick was seriously, and I mean seriously, considering retirement in 2017. Uh, yes, the Eagles Super Bowl season when he hurt his elbow in training camp. It was actually Brandon Graham who turned him on to his acupuncturist, um, and Nick started to feel better. And obviously the rest is history. I think at some point Nick's just going to walk away. Um, maybe it's now. I mean, look, he still can play. He can still be a backup quarterback, but I don't know. Do you want to keep moving from city me, to city? Let me get uh, some info out of you. And you, uh, pro- I know you know better than me. I don't know if you know well enough to answer the question to its fullest, but I'll give it a shot. Uh, Nick Foles comes back here after, as you stated correctly, on the verge of retirement, considering retirement after Andy Reid gets in his ear, gets him a chance to play a little bit. He gets reinvigorated and he ends up signing with the Eagles. We know what happens. Uh, There's a statue to commemorate it. um, And it is part of history that will never be changed. But he came in here knowing full well he's going to be the backup to Carson Wentz. Eagles had committed. They had made the pick. It's Carson's team. Nick, you're the backup. Ba 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 ba. He gets a chance to play because of injury, and uh, a Lombardi Trophy is brought home. Um, then he goes from here when they stay committed to Carson Wentz to Jacksonville, and he's the starting quarterback. But they've got a young guy who he's working with. Uh, he's eventually going to take Nick Nick Foles' spot, but Nick may or may not know it at the time. Uh, it is what it is. Then he goes to Chicago where Mitch Trubisky is the starting quarterback, but Nick is going to be, be given a chance to compete and take the job from he does, but he doesn't get it done. And then Trubisky comes back. In. He's been in a lot of quarterback situations with other young quarterbacks. Most of the time, he's been a backup. Some of the times it's been a competition. Some of the times it's just him to start but then something happens and he's got to be able in the room uh play a different role what would you think about him going to the jets they just picked zach wilson joe flacco was their backup last year sam donald was their starter neither of which are still there the jets are a team that's still in need of a veteran backup quarterback but again they made they pushed all their chips into the middle of the table on Zach Wilson and uh, the decision that backup quarterback will be. How does this best serve Zach Wilson? Not can he come in? Can he win games like uh, Nick did here in Philadelphia? Shoot, took him all the way to the Super Bowl. It's all going to be about helping develop Wilson. Is he a good guy to fit that role? Oh my God, yeah, Nick is, and one of the reasons. He's one of the best backup quarterbacks ever because he does that job. He accepts that role. A lot of people, you know, he never pushed uh, to start here, even after winning the Super Bowl. He understood his role. He understood he was the backup as long as 
Carson Wentz is, uh, was healthy. Uh, he was not the type to create waves. He certainly, uh, we saw how Carson Wentz looked at Jalen Hurts, who, you know, didn't even have any experience, but he knows the kid wants to play. Um, that's just the natural evolution of the game. Nick is one of those guys who understands at this stage of his career, if he's brought in as a backup quarterback, he's got to play that role. And he's tremendous at it. And he's going to work as a mentor. He's not going to go into a press conference and say, hey, I want to compete with Zach Wilson. No, he's going to he's going to help him. He's going to try to, to help the New York Jets. I think he's a perfect backup quarterback for anybody. My question is, does Nick want to keep doing this and hopping from city to city to city? I think at one point he'll say, you know what? I've made my money. I got the Super Bowl. I got the statue. I'm a legend in Philadelphia. At some point, he's just going to say, I'm done. And and I bring up the fact that he was seriously thinking about retirement on two different occasions. You know, I think that that's going to be three occasions pretty quickly. Right. And I'm just suggesting it does make some sense. Could be a good fit with the Jets, but it all comes down to his mindset. You are correct about that. All right. Before we get a uh, timeout in here, I want to ask about what the Cowboys did at 12 with the pick they got from the Eagles. Michael Parsons. I remember before the year, back at the end of the 2019 season, people were talking about Michael Parsons being a top five pick. He had had such a dominant year for Penn State in 2019. He, like several other top players, decided to opt out and not play this year. There are some character questions slash issues with Michael Parsons. The Cowboys have had a litany of guys who fall into that category over the last several years. They believe they can coach issues out of them. We'll see if that's the case. But he is a really talented player on the football field. They just had Lee retire, a guy who's been a stalwart in their linebacker group for years to come. Um, Vander Esch has had injury issues himself. So the Cowboys have had really talented linebackers, but they haven't been able to put them out there on the field the whole time. Parsons scares me from an ego perspective. I think he could be a real good player for the Cowboys. How about you? I I go the opposite. I love this, Jody. I love this trade because it's going to create storylines for years. (laughs) I mean – these two teams are playing twice in perpetuity. You're going to pay attention to Mike. And not only is Micah Parsons a really talented kid, as you mentioned, yeah, lot some red flags, but we know the Cowboys' history. They're willing to take those chances. Um, you can argue that. But bottom line is he's a Penn State kid too. So everybody around here knows him, you know, kind of cross their fingers always when it's Penn State. You know, can the Eagles get him? Can the Eagles do this? Man, if he turns into a star, Penn State, Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys traded down. They not only got the player they wanted, but they got a third round. Ooh, that is going to create some angst in Philadelphia. Hopefully, on the other end, Devontae Smith is the one. Remember back in the day, Randy Moss really wanted to go to Dallas and Dallas uh, passed him up, ended up in Minnesota. I think it was the Thanksgiving game, three touchdowns as a rookie, three receptions. I think it was 150, 147 yards, three touchdowns. 
The Cowboys didn't live that down for years and years and years. Look, this has a chance to work out that way for both teams in a positive fashion or a negative fashion. This didn't need any accelerant, this rivalry, Jody, but it just got some. Yes. The it just Cow- got some. The Cowboys took more uh, grief for the passing on Randy Moss than any other team. But, oh, by the way, a whole bunch of teams passed on oh, Randy yeah, Moss. Yeah. But, when, like but, uh, the Cowboys, Randy, Cowboys Randy, had the third pick and the Vikings had the fifth pick. No, he was yeah. down in the later teams, was he not? No, or... the problem. The problem is Randy made it clear that he wanted to play for the Cowboys, so that kind of added fuel to the fire. But you're right. You're right. Uh, again, uh, when collegiate, it's one thing for Aaron Rodgers, who's done what he's done for as long as he's done it and accomplished what he has in the league, to say. Yeah, I want to kind of dictate terms as to where I'm going to play. A kid who's never stepped on the field in the National Football League. And oh, by the way, oh, I played at Marshall. Marshall, not not in the SEC. If he's dictating terms as to where he wants to go. But I Jody, think that's a little... we're, only, we're only talking about hindsight. We're talking about hindsight with Parsons and Smith. We're talking about hindsight. He's got the gold jacket. There's a lot of people who think Randy Moss is the second best receiver who ever lived. Um, yeah, it makes the Cowboys look bad. That it's not is it fair? Obviously, no, it's not fair. You just mentioned no rookie can say where I want to play. But he put that chip on his shoulder and he used to go off against the Dallas Cowboys. Look, I mean, that's my point. The Eagles, Micah Parsons wasn't even in the Eagles equation. We know their history with linebackers. They wanted a corner or they wanted a wide receiver, but you life isn't fair, Jody. Five years from now, if he turns into a superstar and Devontae is struggling, they are going to take some heat over that. I think it's fair to say. True. And I, I don't think you understood the point I was trying to make. Not the fact that Randy Moss didn't do what he did. He did. He's a Hall of Famer and should be a Hall of Famer. No, the fact that he wanted to be drafted by the Cowboys. Well, it's nice that you put your opinion on paper or leak it to a media member that you have a preference as to where you want to go. Again, you don't get to dictate that as a, a, a rookie who's never been in the league yet. The fact that he played to the level that he did, oh, yeah, the Cowboys have to answer to that forever. But so does everybody else who passed on him before the draft, just because he happened to mention that Dallas might have been. I would not. Would you move a player on your board prior no, to the no, draft? No, because, no, 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 oh, no, no, he said no. he wants to be a Cowboy. No. So let's move him up two slots. Who no. cares that he wanted to be a Cowboy ahead of no. time? That doesn't move the needle at all. He moved the needle with his play for the next decade by yeah. being as good as he well, was. And, and it just happened to be his rookie season. They played in that high-profile matchup on that platform on Thanksgiving Day, and he went berserk. That That's my point. Not right. about the, the entirety of the career. Sort of like Calvin John, sort of like DK Metcalf and the Calvin Johnson thing. Doesn't make any sense, but it, DK Metcalf used it against the Eagles. Randy Moss used that chip on his shoulder against the Dallas Cowboys as a rookie. It's a legendary game. Go on YouTube. Three catches, three receptions, all bombs. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's how these things work out. If you can believe that can happen, then uh, to put an eagle green spin on it, 
the Cowboys could have taken Devonta Smith. They chose not to. Yeah. The Eagles jumped up to get him. So maybe, just maybe, Devonta Smith plays with that big chip on his shoulder. He could use the extra two pounds, as a matter of fact, if you put it up there on his shoulder. And yes. uh, he takes it and out. And by the way, if Devonta Smith, Jody's Randy Moss, I'm going to say this is a great pick. Uh, yes, you should. I will make sure you say it. Every single bird's 365 for years and years and years to come. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Macklemack guys, we'll take a time out. Time out. Got a couple more things we want to get in before the end of the show. Stay right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Three years later, they fired their Super Bowl-winning head coach. They traded the highest-paid QB in franchise history. And they traded down in the 2021 NFL Draft. What does it all mean now? Find out during the draft from the premier Philadelphia Eagles reporter, Derek Gunn. Watch, listen to Draft Takes with Derek Gunn across the Jacob Media Network, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Mac guys here on Birds 365. Uh, as you can probably have guessed by now, in case you've been listening to the entire Birds 365 today, we were hoping to get Mike Golick on. I told you it was not a lock. We didn't have him uh, 100% guaranteed to be on the show. And there was a reason that I said that, because it wasn't, and it didn't quite pan itself out. Uh, so Mike Golick, who's supposed to be the announcer for Come Up On Stage, Make the Eagles' second-round pick tonight. 
in his hometown. I think he's just outside of Cleveland. Shame, I should have looked that up during yeah, one of the breaks. My bad. Um, I think he lives just outside of Cleveland, somewhere in Ohio. Yes, former Notre Dame star, uh, Mike Golick, who played his uh, career, his pro career here in Philadelphia, is going to make the pick for the Eagles. Second round tonight. Um, the uh, just unfortunately couldn't carve out the time for us today. Maybe we'll get Golik on down the road, but uh, no Mike Golik today. Uh, speaking of that second round, John, we haven't gone there yet. Eagles move up, use a third-round pick. The second of their two third-round picks, we've got to keep that in mind. Uh, they didn't give up their own pick, which is very high in the second round. They gave up the Colt pick, which they acquired in the Carson Wentz trade. That's what Dallas is going to get. Um, so that's not as bad. If they had given up their own pick, I still would have loved getting Devonta Smith, but um, they, they were able to give up the second of their two third-round picks. They got their second-round pick high in the second round to start tonight's proceedings. They take a wide receiver in the first round. We were suggesting that they could go cornerback. I know you were banking on someone in the trenches, but because they do it in the top half of the first round, those things kind of go by the board in all the subsequent rounds. Uh, Eagles specific players that you're thinking about being able to go in the thirties is cornerback, the position of need for them. I know we're uh, hours away and, and just complete speculation from what the Eagles are going to do. Where do you think they go in the second round? Yeah. But uh, Jody, by the way, Mike Golick from Willowick, Ohio. So it is a little bit disappointing. I, I wanted to get Mike on record about some of these names and Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa, uh, Aziz Ojolari. You know, those are a couple guys who are still on the board that most people probably didn't think would be on the board. I don't know if they're, the Eagles will be looking for a, a, a linebacker or a hybrid type like JOK, but certainly, you know, you look at some of those edge rushers, that's a natural selection for the Eagles. So you do have to look at Ojalari still there, a little bit undersized, so maybe not a fit, but I'd keep an eye on Carlos Basham from Wake Forest. He's more of an Eagles type player or what I think the Eagles will be looking for under uh, new defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. You know, Tevin Jenkins is still out there, the the offensive lineman from Oklahoma State. You got uh, Trevon Warrig, the safety from TS TCU. The Eagles have had sort of a, a, a pipeline to TCU over the past couple of years. Uh, I thought uh, he would be a first-round pick, so you got to throw him in the mix. Terrace Marshall's still there, but the Eagles took to a wide, wide receiver, receiver, so I, I think you can cross him off. Uh, Tyson Campbell, the cornerback from Georgia, uh, that makes some sense to me. Joseph Asai, the edge player from Texas, a lot of still good players out there. Um, but I would certainly look at edge rusher and cornerback. So if Tyson Campbell hap is, happens to be there uh, – I think he could be the selection or I would look at uh, those edge rushers. Particularly, let me, add, let me uh, add one more guy to your list uh, sure. that I think the Eagles could potentially look at. You mentioned the correct university, but the wrong position. Radarius Williams, cornerback from Oklahoma State, um, uh, is a guy who is borderline first, second round. He, he's 
good enough value where the Eagles are going to take in the second round. I don't think he was ever going to be in the first round, but uh, second, early second to mid-second. So he fits the value as to his position. And, yes, they need a cornerback. Uh, the only thing I see as a reservation is he's not an SEC cornerback. Three of the five that were taken in the first round, which, by the way, um, that was oh. – Jody, I forgot Merrill brought up this kid as well, and I should have said him right away. Asante Samuel Jr. True. is still out there. He's so another guy corner. Yeah. With, with a little history, uh, familial history here in town. Um, another guy whose name should be brought up. You are 100%. You and I have talked about him previously. We just didn't talk about him today. Um, uh, I, I was, because the Georgia kid was the four, fifth quarterback taken in the first round late last night, yeah. um, three SEC cornerbacks. That's another thing that, oh, Devontae Smith isn't going to be able to play in the NFL. Well, he's been going up against guys who are going immediately into the NFL, three of the top five in last night, five cornerbacks taken, three of them from the SEC. Somehow he's able to beat those guys, but he's not going to be able to beat cornerbacks, not going to be able to get off the line against cornerbacks in the National Football League. Poppycock. He's going to be a star. Uh, write it down, Eagle fans. Um, uh, so we we gave you a couple projectable names for the Eagles to potentially draft in the second round. All right, we got about uh, eight or nine minutes left to go here. Um, Aaron Rodgers decided to start the process of talking himself out of Green Bay. Um, he is the kind of player who's got the gravitas to probably make something happen. We've seen a couple of <clears throat> players do it over the last few years. Shoot, we've seen them do it over the last couple of months, be able to talk themselves out of a town. The Packers have immediately jumped in front and said, we're not even thinking about trading uh, Aaron Rodgers, which is the smart play to make because you can always change your mind down the road as soon as you get certain things in place and move the conversation along and go, well, we, we really didn't want to trade Aaron, but the situation dictated blah, 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 blah. So the Packers have handled it as well as they can to this point. They've handled it as poorly as they have to get to this point. But since Aaron Rodgers went nuclear on them yesterday, they've done the right things and, and pushed the right buttons. Should the Eagles have interest in Aaron Rodgers? No, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, 100% yes. This is the MVP of the NFL. I mean, that's what uh, the 49ers, Jed York, said yes, yesterday. I mean, a lot of people were saying, why did the 49ers call um, the Green Bay Packers? You know, did they not like Trey Lance? Did they not like Mac Jones? Did they say, oh, this is, you know, buyer's remorse. We, we spent so much uh, capital to get up in this pick. And essentially, you know, Kyle Shanahan as well said, well, we didn't know the MVP of the league, one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever lived, might be available. So we're going to make the call. Howie Roseman is going to make that call. Um, I don't think Aaron wants to play on the East Coast. I don't think he has any interest in playing here. But, yeah, my God, I, yes. Can I get the three first-round picks next year right now? Because I can tell you something, Jody, I'm with you. If Aaron Rodgers is playing quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, Devontae Smith is going to be awesome. Yes, sir. And yep. guess what? Jalen Rager's going to be really good. And even Travis Bulgum and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside are going to be really, really 
magically capable receivers. Transformed into more than acceptable NFL wide receivers. Yeah. Yes, uh, it will. Uh, I might have to raise the bar of my quick level accomplishment in an Eagle uniform for Devonta Smith to an even higher plane yeah. if he gets to play a couple of years with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers I might block gonna... in the reservations for 2036. There you Devontae go. Devontae Smith gets to play with Aaron Rodgers. Make that call at a nice hotel outside of Canton, Ohio. Um, uh, Rodgers is going to play at 38 this year. He played 37, won an MVP last season. We've seen Tom Brady do what Tom Brady does, and he's a wonderkin that no one can compare to. Uh, he's an outlier. But is Aaron Rodgers Brady-like? If you were to acquire him, how many years are you legitimately acquiring him for where he can stay at that MVP-like level in your eyes? Probably two or three. I, I mean, it is a new generation. Tom Brady isn't what he once was. I mean, he's just adjusted and 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 made uh, uh, some different tweaks to his game. Obviously, more comfortable throwing in-breaking routes, doesn't like to go outside the numbers. So while we all say he's held off bother time, not really. He's, he's had to change his game, as everyone would have to. Uh, when you're talking about the Aaron Rodgers we saw last year, probably two or three more years. But, yeah, he can still play at a really high level into his 40s because we talk about it all the time, the legislation of the game. I mean, they've made it easier for these types of quarterbacks. He's so pocket savvy. I think people don't realize one of the greatest, uh, same thing with Tom Brady as well, maybe the most important trait for any quarterback to have is to be able to manipulate the pocket, not necessarily come outside, extend plays, be able to step up, step back, step to side, just have a feel for it. Nobody's ever done it better than Aaron Rodgers. Um, as long as he stays healthy, man hey, he's going to play at a high level into his 40s. If he uh, wants to, he mm. might want to go, you know, do Jeopardy. I, I might argue that Tom Brady's done it better than Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers moves the pocket a little bit more outside than Brady does, but Brady's ability to step up just, I think it actually, Brady's better at it because he doesn't have the physical gift. Aaron Rodgers can run. He's always been yeah. able to run. Yeah. Not Michael yeah. Vick run, but run. Tom Brady's been pretty damn close to his statue his entire career. And, and that part, that that part of his game will erode for right. Aaron. And yeah, there's going to have to be some adjustments. And that's why I say probably two, two or three years at this MVP-like level. And then you'll probably see the slow erosion from there. If it is, uh, let's let's go. You went two or three years, so we're going to the optimistic end and say it's three years. If it's three years, are the Eagles good enough as presently constituted, taking the rest of this year's draft into consideration? If they believe, and why wouldn't they believe that Howie Roseman thinks everyone in the organization thinks they're going to make all good picks the rest of this year? Uh, the the talent that they have on this roster, they'll have another offseason to upgrade it again. Aaron Rodgers is going to get you to a Super Bowl in that three-year period? Oh, my if God, not, yes. If yes. not, then you're talking about giving up all three of your first-round picks next year. 
which is probably what it's going to take. If you do, you know you're taking a step back thereafter. So you're going to take that three-year run. You think the Eagles can get to a Super Bowl? During oh, yeah. Run? I mean, look, it's hard to get to a Super Bowl. It might be a championship hey, game. Rodgers hasn't gotten, Rodgers yeah. hasn't gotten, all that, gotten there all that often. They're going to make a deep playoff run. I'll say that. It might be the championship game. might be the divisional round one year. It might be the championship game, and it might be the Super Bowl. They're going to be able to make deep runs and deep runs immediately. If they're able to give up those three future first-round picks, which are three likely future first-round picks, they'll win 11 games this year, this year, with this team, with that quarterback. That's how good he is. I always say Peyton Manning, to me, is the greatest regular season quarterback of all time, greatest regular season quarterback. And the reason why I say that, Jody, you the Colts came into seasons – their default was we're going to win 10 games. Good season, you probably get the 13, 14. Bad season, 10 games. That's where they started, double digits. That's where you start with Aaron Rodgers. If he's out there for 16 games, you're starting at double digits. All right. Uh, you and I feel very similarly on Rodgers on how good he is, timeline, his value in a potential trade and the like. I guess the one thing that we're unfortunately have to throw a little uh, water on the fire is Philadelphia, not mm. a likely destination and no. not even so much. The Eagles roster isn't good enough for Aaron to be able to justify in his own mind that he can come in and get him to double digit wins. He's probably confident slash cocky enough to be able to do that. It's just East coast. He's more of a California guy. Jeopardy, if he's going to continue to do that, tapes out there on the West Coast. Which of those West Coast teams do you think is going to be able to say, oh, we'll take Rodgers, give us a minute to whisper in his ear, we'll see if we can restructure and we can come up with those assets you need Green Bay to give uh, to us. Who's that team? Uh, people have speculated Las Vegas and Denver right off the bat as places not on the West Coast, obviously, but a little bit closer uh, as teams that maybe he would agree to go to. I got I got news for you. You know, the Rams have made their decision. Um, the 49ers have made their decision. I think they'll change their decisions really quickly if there is an avenue to get Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Brandt was on with us last week. He mentioned the difference between rookie contracts. We'll use San Francisco. That's where he wants to play. Now, they can get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. They don't care. They just drafted Trey Lance, so everyone's saying it's over. Uh, he can't go to San Francisco. Well, th it's not the days of Sam Bradford was the last bonus baby. You can get out of these contracts quickly. If they have to get out of it, don't get out of it. it might not be till next year, but if they can make it happen, then you go in that direction where you could – you could legitimately, Jody, justify not playing the third overall pick and saying, you know what, go sit for a couple of years. Understood, but here's the one thing I think you're uh, underselling. Moving Garoppolo, um, they were holding out hope for getting a specific return for Garoppolo. If uh, anybody, and it amazes me the way the league adapts to this, if they were in the mix for Rodgers, everybody would know about it. Um, 
the rest of the league is not going to give them squat for Garoppolo. Garoppolo's Man. interest would dry up in a heartbeat because they're not going to help Aaron Rodgers and the San Francisco 49ers get Aaron Rodgers there. So I think it's a little bit more difficult. They'll make it happen. Yeah, I, I can't I, take. I still think it would be a 2022 thing. I don't think it would be a 2021 thing. You think Rodgers is going to play in Green Bay this year? Man, I think he's going to have to. I mean, um, we'll see how toxic it gets. As you mentioned, players can force themselves out of the situation. If Aaron says, you know what, I'm not playing. I'll go, I'll go do Jeopardy for a year. You know, anything can change. And if that's the case, you might see a Brett Favre. Remember what happened with Brett Favre. He wanted to go to Minnesota. Packers wouldn't allow it. He had to play that season with the Jets. Might have to be that type of situation where he goes to Denver uh, or he goes to Las Vegas. Um, even John Gruden uh, would like Aaron Rodgers. He he falls out of love with quarterbacks quicker than anybody. I don't think any coach could fall out of love with Aaron Rodgers. Here's the good news, football fans. It's going to give us something to talk about for the next. Now, who knows? Maybe they can actually get a trade done in the next two or three weeks. I doubt it highly. I'm with John. This is going to carry up to training camp, probably past training, probably into the regular season. So uh, we'll make this a staple. Aaron Rodgers update. We'll at least mention it once every single show going forward on Birds 365. Just a little mention. Uh, we know it will be mentioned in next week when we come back here on Birds 365. Day two and day three of the NFL draft. Aggressive move by the birds to get up and get Devontae Smith in round number one. What will happen the rest of the rounds with the Eagles? We'll certainly be back on Monday to talk about it. Partner, I know you had a long day. My suggestion to you would be nap time right about now and then get ready for another long day into a long night. Uh, have a good one, buddy. Thanks, Jody. That's a hell of a suggestion. I think I'm going to uh, take your advice. You do just that. The Mac and Mac guys will be back on Monday for week number five of Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.